0: Hello, KBMD Health family and Gut Check Project fans. It's Eric. Soon I'll be joined by my awesome co-host, Dr. Kenneth Brown. It's time for episode number 48. And guess what? Today we're just going to talk about, uh, well, actually, Ken surprised me. Uh, He didn't really let me know what we're going to talk about today, but it's, it's the science of trying to find resolution when you have anxiety or anger. And guess what? There's some ways around it. There's some techniques that anybody can use. And not only that, a little bit of empathy could go any of us a long way when dealing with someone else who's also struggling to communicate their point. Regardless, it's, uh, it's kind of a fascinating episode. And of, and of course, Ken has got tons of science and data to help explain it. So nonetheless, let's move in to our awesome sponsors who bring us this show every week. Number one, LoveMyTummy.com, LoveMyTummy.com, get your Atron teal your daily polyphenols today. LoveMyTummy.com forward slash KBMD health. Well, oh, I'm sorry, no, just KBMD. LoveMyTummy.com slash KBMD, get your daily polyphenols, and it does not matter if you are an athlete, if you're someone who has gut issues, if you're someone who has difficulty sleeping, polyphenols can allow your gut microbiome to make the postbiotics that you need, and if you've been listening to Gut Check Project for any length of time, you have definitely heard about postbiotics. So get your daily polyphenols at LoveMyTummy.com today, and of course, Unrefined Bakery. I don't know how many times I have to say it. If you just like good food, go to UnrefinedBakery.com. It just so happens they can make anything gluten-free, 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 paleo, keto. It's it's wonderful food that happens to fit your specialty diet. Go to unrefinedbakery.com, use code gutcheck and save 20% off of your first order no matter how big it is. That is unrefinedbakery.com. And last but not least, go to kbmdhealth.com for not only our homepage, but as well you can go to the store and you can find Dr. Brown's very own KBMD Health CBD. That's right you'll find it there. And uh, we've been on a run here lately. So if you're hearing this in early February, we are still restocking from COVID shipping issues and who knows what else. But there is definitely CBD there. Soon we'll have Dr. Brown's uh, signature packages, which includes uh, Brock Elite as well as Atron Teal. But nonetheless, you can still place your order at kbmdhealth.com, use code GCP, and save 20%. All right, it's now time for episode number 48. See you on the other side. Got check project fans and KBMD health family. This is Eric. I'm here with my awesome co-host, Dr. Kenneth Brown, and this is episode 48. I don't have a clue what we're going to talk
1: about. Well, I think that okay. So if you did not see episode 47, we put a lot of work into that one. Yeah, we've gotten a ton of great feedback on that, and it's just the beginning because because of that episode, we've been contacted by a lot of other scientists, a lot of people. And we're going to be having a really special PhD on to describe her research soon. And it's, you know, thankfully, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's really, really cool. We (laughs) actually got a lot of feedback, not only in the traditional sense. Thank you all for who've been emailing in and messaging. But the two patients who came through and watched it right before we scoped them, I was impressed at how many of them tried to do what you did to me and make me list everything out and uh so that was uh, that was pretty interesting so just to recap of
1: 47 it was important because we've uncovered a lot of important research showing how the polyphenols uh, like polyphenols in otron can actually help your innate immune system and it's uh, it's the tip of the iceberg because uh, I've been contacted by both allergists, epidemiologists, some PhDs going, wow, that is exactly what my research is in. I'd like to talk about it more.
0: What about just this morning? We had that uh, discussion with somebody over in the UK who is specifically utilizing, guess what, polyphenols for athletes and elite athlete training. Never met the guy before. Has an incredible program. Uh, what would you think of that today? Oh,
1: I thought it was great. It's actually Aiden Goggins, and yeah. he he wrote the CERT diet, which is the I believe it's the diet that Adele lost all her weight on, and it's all about the benefit of polyphenols turning on these sirtuin pathways. He's uh, he agreed to come on the show. Also, great guy, super smart. That was awesome Very geeking smart. out with him this morning. So, well, what's going on with you? Let's uh, let's get let's make this more casual this time. The last couple Oof. podcasts have been so intense with the immune system and stuff. Let's change it up a little.
0: Yeah, man, I chatted with. With gage this morning he's uh, he's course out of tech he's loving school which is great uh, and uh, you know he's he's enjoying his time as, as a freshman as uh, most college kids who are freshmen should be doing Mac is in the midseason basketball he loves it he just uh, he, he scored his 106th point. With his basketball team this last week he's super pumped about that okay
1: let's let's clarify that so he scored his 106 documented point or he scored the 106 oh basket. he
0: scored the 106 which is the high water mark for his current coach that's awesome yeah, that's awesome. yeah. he joins he joins his brother who was the first person to push uh, his coach over 100 so oh, really,
1: really, yeah, that's cool. awesome so the Rieger brothers doing proper to the Much decatur better basketball their team
0: their dad's terrible
1: I know. I, I got a shiner. I got a little shiner here. You got to look at the camera. Yeah, you're right pointing way, the wrong eye, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking at the mirror image of me here. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're doing a little uh, remodeling on the house, and uh, unfortunately, in the middle of the night, I tripped over a box and face planted. So, as I was telling my patient, I, I walked in and uh, we we're gonna put him to sleep, and he's like, "Whoa, doc!" He's like, uh, do you uh, get a little tussle?" And I and I'm like, "No," and he's like, "Well." It'll probably only affect your modeling career for a bit. And I'm like, well, I'm actually a hand model. So that's yeah. why I protected myself with my face. So. Yeah, why
0: don't you show them that finger and see how good of a hand model you are.
1: Well, I'm, I, play the, <laughs> I play the before picture and all hand model things. <laughs> a bunch of orthopedic surgeons yeah. grab me. They're like, hey, yeah. can I use that in an ad? I
0: specialize in ring fingers. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to straighten that thing out.
1: Um, uh, oh, uh, guess what I signed up for? What? I, I signed up for the Wim Hof breathing oh, course.
0: wow. Awesome.
1: I'm doing the Wim Hof. If you don't know who Wim Hof is, <clears throat> he's uh, this crazy guy that. Has this incredible breathing course, which we're going to talk about. That I read. I read James Nestor's book called "Breath: The yeah. Science, the Lost Science." Man, everyone and, is all over that. Right oh, now. dude, it's because we're all just like, whoa! You can change your life by breathing, and that's what the Wim Hof method is—just breathe. And it's so I've been doing this every morning for—we're going on two weeks now. And the problem is, it also involves cold exposure. So every morning, instead of waking up and doing my yawny coffee and warm hot shower, I'm breathing a ton and than jumping into a cold shower so we'll see I'll give I, feedback on it
0: okay well just real quick since i don't know where we're going with today's show i'm just gonna go ahead and ask is this one of those uh things from wim hof where he is having you uh breathe in at a certain interval breathe out a certain interval so that you can achieve something I mean can you can you shed a little light on them little-
1: Yeah so the Wim Hof method in a nutshell is a cyclical breathing where you you overinflate and then you exhale to atmospheric pressure okay. so you go above atmospheric pressure to atmospheric pressure you do this in a cyclical way almost like a wave and you train yourself to breathe in this cyclical way, and what that does is that increases your oxygen saturation of the cells, decreases your CO2, mm-hmm. and I, I know where you're going because the last time we I started talking about pulmonary physiology, we ended up doing a whole podcast on that. <laughs> Check out COVID episode three or four. Um, but what that does is that actually raises your pH because the CO2 retention will increase the pH. Okay. So in this book, um, in Breath, I got really into that because we realized that in our stress society, and the more stressed you are, we tend to shallow, rapid breathe, mm-hmm. which actually is the improper way to do it. So when you want to relax, you breathe six seconds in, six seconds out. That should be the proper tempo. This is a different method. This is to uh, supercharge your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. Interesting. And then you do 30, in this case, you can do like 30 cycles of this really deep breathing. And then it, on number 30, you exhale and you hold your breath. So you and you time it, and it's really funny because I'm following him on the course, and he's this very—he's been on uh, Ronda Patrick show, and oh, he's you been you know, having hey, Joe Rogan and yeah. everybody, and so he's so funny because he's—he's he's, he's the same. Sure. All the time. I yeah. think he's always whim. Yeah. And so he's been on Ben Greenfield and stuff. And so he's, you know, you feel like this bond because I'm like holding my breath and he's like, it's okay. You're good. You can <laughs> do longer. You're
0: fine. I mean, the guy is a physical walking experiment, he's done everything, especially when it comes down to this controlled breathing situation
1: yeah he holds like 20 world records and stuff and yeah but but it's all but it's all based off science it's not like and that's what he tries to tell everybody he's like anybody can do this so that's what i'm that's what i'm going to experiment we'll see if i can yeah. interesting
0: we'll see. i'm curious how uh, how they're explaining to lay people because that's probably what this is written for uh from lay people all the way down to the science so maybe that would be a topic that we will get into after you experiment with it a little bit yeah i'm really interested
1: but we want to keep this episode light okay this is just going to be a fun easy episode all right or we're just going to dr- relax um Oh my gosh! <laughs> I was sitting there with Dr. Ackerman in the office, okay. and I got a quick question for you because uh, you have a
0: quick question for me after talking to Stu.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> because it's this because Stu and I kind of disagreed on something, and I was like, "Are, are you insane?" We got in this discussion about carbonated water, and <laughs> he actually likes uh, Waterloo over Aviv. like more. Like I couldn't even believe it. I'm like, "Are you insane?"
0: Okay, but. Well, wait, wait, who's insane? He's insane for liking Waterloo. For
1: liking Waterloo. Waterloo. Like, how can you like Waterloo over Bellevue? I mean, it's... uh, it's (laughs) Apparently...
0: Bellevue. I I never questioned the fact that you were a doctor until right now, because apparently Stu is on the right side of history, and you're on the wrong side of history. How can you even say that?
1: I mean, the bubbles in this are more effervescent. The flavoring is better. I mean...
0: I have a feeling that you're way more prepared for this talk than me. I'm just going to tell you that Waterloo kicks ass <laughs> because
1: I think Waterloo flavored Listen, real fruit can, is delicious. We can argue about this. No
0: calories, no sugar. I, I don't know how many of these I crush a day, but I think they're,
1: they're awesome. I don't want to spend this whole podcast arguing about which carbonated beverage is better. Um, I do. I do have a real question for you okay. um, because I was. I a totally forgot this, and I know that you and I have done this. Would you mind explaining to me? Because I know you really like theoretical mathematics. Can you explain to me again the Yang Mills existence and mass gap in mathematics? I would, but it would take way too long. Okay, so. I mean, you're super smart, and I realize that <laughs> that would normally be just like a no-brainer. I'm like, ah, you don't want to tell you the Yang Mills. I love not being patronized. Back. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. <laughs> All right, so um, the whole reason for that setup <laughs> was um, I, uh, I've i been talking to a lot of patients, and a lot of patients that have had covid are th- having lingering symptoms and oh, yeah. brain fog and things like that. And so you call them the the, the long haulers. Sure. Well, I see that all the time because we see that people that have gut inflammation end up having other things going on. But so question. I was like, wow, you know what? What What is happening there? And then I started going down a little rabbit hole and Angie and I looking up articles and then you know found this article where we thought, oh, when we initially, when COVID first came out, it's like, oh, COVID infects the brain. And then I think you and I even discussed the possibility of the um, vagus nerve being a conduit where uh, viruses can get up, and it was all theory and everything. And so then I started thinking, wait a minute, if we end up with all these long haulers, what's the effect on the brain? And then on the effect on the brain, I went down a little rabbit hole, and then I'm like, well, wait a minute, if we end up with lots of neuroinflammation, how does that impact our psychiatric health? Uh, health, health, yeah. Because I'm, I really believe that we're going to end up in another pandemic. So many people are suffering from depression and anxiety, and we may end up, you may end up in a situation where if you had this infection, you could end up having a little bit more anxiety, OCD, different things, and so neuroinflammation. Then that got me thinking. Wait a minute, how does, how will this affect? spouses and families and things because divorce rates through the roof and i'm like what if whoa wait a minute what if all this inflammation and this stress is leading to um psychiatric changes but not even something really tangible that you can sit there and label a dsm-4 diagnosis on what if it actually affects your cognitive ability and so then let me just
0: stop there how could it not
1: right totally agree except this is this is a podcast where we try and make sense of things sure. that that are like that so that's the rabbit hole that I went down and now I'm going to bring it back so what's interesting is I did I do want to discuss one article that looked at um, damage in dissected brains in people that died of covid okay and it's not as straightforward as you think okay And then I started thinking, well, if there's the inflammation that's there, then I found an article that um, actually discusses neuroinflammation and psychiatric illness, followed by here's what happens in our brain when we disagree and ultimately ending up on disagreeing takes up a lot of mental real estate. So that was a really long setup to ask you a mathematic question to pretend like I tied up your brain arguing over carbonated water. Yeah, I'm sorry,
0: I just missed it. (laughs)
1: trying to figure out how to set up how we're going to talk about today's episode which is all about the brain okay it's all about neuroinflammation the brain and the fact that we're still in the middle of this pandemic it really wasn't to bring you on the show and argue about water and then ask you a theoretical math question that i just googled 30 seconds before we came on the air
0: well it was fine i'm just glad that i wasn't up for the challenge either (laughs) you would have freaked me out if you would have known it (laughs) It just would have been a random Google experience too. Well, that's so, really interesting. So, uh, if I understood what you just said, that that uh, you're saying that we we probably waste far too many resources metabolically and and over our brain trying to disagree with someone. Well, it's yeah that. But
1: let's get back to the inflammatory process. Oh, okay. Episode forty-seven was the innate immune system, and it makes sense why we have all this inflammation. So, I guess what I'm saying is let's prepare ourselves for the possibility that more than the usual number of people may be behaving in a way that they may not or they may behave in extreme way because I just heard a podcast this morning um, on MedCram that he was discussing that an article came out on the um, online version of AMA where they were looking at these, they surveyed like a bunch of, like, I don't know, 170 people, uh-huh. and a shockingly high number had residual symptoms Three to six months after actually being diagnosed with COVID, and of this group, they were all really mild. And so, what what we're now realizing is is that we may end up having a lot of these young people that had really mild COVID end up having symptoms of they're just fatigued, brain fog is super common, sure, shortness of breath is common, sure. So, I think that w- we need to start preparing for this. I guess is what I'm getting at.
0: Not only preparing for here's here's something that we don't know. So. Uh, you just said three to six months. I mean, the the, f- the full-on onset of COVID still wasn't even one year ago. So if we're looking at oh. that number, was there, we're not even looking at like a, a threshold for this to end, right? Because we don't know that yet. There's not enough time has passed. Uh, we're saying three and six months because that may just be as long as that infection has existed for that number of people. 100%. So let's
1: jump into these articles, but I like where you're going with this because this is I, – what I want to do is prepare for what – Make sense of things before it actually happens. I'm actually quite proud of something, and I've heard this from several people that, whatever, nine months ago when we did COVID one and two. Oh, sure, yeah. We actually still stood the test of time. Yeah. Because uh, one of my friends was actually talking about this the fact that he's hearing, he's going back and having fun looking at podcasts at the beginning, and now it seems absurd, the things that we're saying. Right. And I got scared, and I was like, were we totally absurd? And we were actually pretty, pretty
0: spot on. Yeah. But I mean, I think uh, quite honestly, and a lot of this has to do with the way that people who've communicated with us, we, the way we approach it isn't uh, politically motivated. It's, I think that we're trying to always lean on what research says and what research means. And so you can actually filter off sometimes the stuff that's just noise. And that's what we try not to do here is deliver noise. We want to see if we can bring some context to what we think is real.
1: So what I would like to do is, let's talk about this, and let's look at this from a future neuroinflammatory process, and it all comes down to one thing that we've said a million times in this show, inflammation. Sure. All right, so the first article that I came across, um, and these are all obviously very recent articles, um, some of them just a, a few days ago, actually. Um, study uncovers blood vessel damage and inflammation in COVID-19 patients' brains but no infection. Mm. So this is a surprise that they did an in-depth study on in how COVID-19 affects patients' brains, and they consistently spotted hallmarks of what they considered damage in an MRI while the patient was living. Okay, And then they ended up taking a sample of 19 patients that actually died, and then they did an autopsy on them. Okay, Assuming that they would find necrosis clots, because we've been talking about clots during this, oh, you're gonna have these thrombosis, Factor V Leiden gets kicked in, and then you're going to have you know clots happen. And so what they found was, no, the exact opposite was happening. In these brains, what they did is they found these bright spots contained blood vessels that were thinner than normal blood vessels. Yeah, they gave up integrity, didn't they? They gave up integrity. They had leaky vessels, hmm. and this appeared to leak proteins like fibrinogen into the brain Which triggered an immune reaction locally. Sure. Microglial cells. These spots were surrounded by the innate immune system T cells trying to control it. And what that ended up happening was that the brain's own immune cells tried to shut this down, created inflammation, which ultimately led to the neuroinflammation seen on these MRIs. Yeah. Yeah. So the fascinating thing about that is controlling the inflammation may have prevented these lesions from forming. That's not why these patients died, but it does give us insight as to why people will be having brain fog in the future.
0: Without question, then guess what? Uh, that is uh, even though it's specific right now about COVID-19, these things cycling out of control, that's, that's not new though, right? I mean, people have had these kind of problems before, and, and it's just like you said, it all goes down to inflammation. So what can we do to help control inflammation that doesn't get out of control?
1: So what you just said, this isn't new. Yeah. You're exactly right. An article in 2013 in the Journal of Neuroinflammation shows that there are multiple lines of evidence to support the pathogenic role of neuroinflammation in psychiatric illness why that's important is because <laughs> neuroinflammation can lead and then they go on to describe all these psychiatric illnesses. Now, one of my friends had a recent Zoom 50th birthday party. He's a football player oh, and some yeah. other football players yeah. were on there. What's up, Junior? And so um you know, you start looking at all these the, the players that played a career in that and that's what I was thinking. I was like, you know, neuroinflammation, how do we protect all these and then I started thinking about you know veterans and things like that. And looking at this article, we've known that inflammation does this for a very long time. So I'm like, well, recently, let's see what's happened. Let's see if they tied it to very specific diseases. Do a Google Scholar search, and you will see that there's a link between neuroinflammation and depression, aggression, fatigue, obsessive compulsive disorder, addiction, anger, chronic pain, all of it. The um, the scientist we're talking to today, he checks inflammatory markers in his athletes. Yeah. He trains a lot of MMA fighters, a lot of pro boxers and things.
0: Guess what he's checking? TNF alpha, interleukin-6. hmm
1: So we already know from prior podcasts that eating functional foods will help with inflammation. So what I want to do is take a different turn. And like I was kind of prepping, let's prepare for the possibility that we may be dealing with more people that have neuroinflammation so how do you handle it there may be more mental illness coming towards us sure and mental illness can be a spectrum mental illness just might be if you if you've ever suffered from anxiety even a little bit of anxiety that that can incapacitate you and that goes all the way to complete debilitating OCD or schizophrenia and things. And it looks like it's all coming down to inflammation, let alone, now we're just talking about the short term, let alone dementia, Parkinson's, and so on, which is, once again, inflammation is the cause of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I like that at the very beginning, you were, or the, not the very beginning, but about a minute and a half ago, you were s- s- talking about uh, how do we protect these people like you, you saw in Junior's <clears throat> Zoom call. But also, what do we do for those who are uh, sustaining an assault right now or inflammation right now to heal them, to help bring them back. Cause I think it's both of those things. Let's say that someone's um, having an anxious problem, long-term anxiety. Do you really think that having a, um, a long-term poor diet along with that is going to help them with their mental state and recover? It's not, you still have to give your body the tools to give it. I mean, it, a mechanic can only fix a car with the tools. And you have to give your body the tools to help your, your brain heal.
1: So when you have inflammation, there's a possibility that you are maybe uh, have a little more anger, which could lead to arguments. So now let's get into the physiology of arguing. I mean, I could see how heated you got when I was insulting Waterloo there. And, That's not really you know, funny. I know. So um, this is a study that actually was published in the, in the Journal of Nature and Neuroscience. Basically, what they did is they looked at people during an argument right. and they tried to see what actually goes on. And so in a heated disagreement, generally speaking, you may lose respect for the person that you're talking to, um, you know, whether it's about something real heated or whatever, but if you're passionate about it, you will lose respect and whether, um, you feel appreciated or not. A lot of times what is described is that the other person is ignoring them or they feel ignored. And so there's a concept here where you're passionate about your thing. I'm passionate. When, when I walk out of the room, I feel like I've been ignored, like you have not heard anything and you feel the exact same way.
0: And then there may be some truth to that.
1: It, there could be. Did you ever wonder what's going on in the other person's brain that could explain that? So understanding yeah. if you're looking at somebody and you're like, I'm talking, but you don't really seem like you're hearing me.
0: Can I kind of guess on what you, how, where this may be going? Sure. So as a, as a younger person engaging in an argument, I oftentimes would find myself, uh, let's say that you and I were having a, a true uh, disagreement and that your, your first approach to me was to tell me why you felt uh, something that I was doing or that I thought was completely wrong. So the first thing I hear is he doesn't like what it is. And while you're talking and making that point, I'm really just fortifying my position Really not even listening to anything that you would have said. However, as a, as an older adult, I would imagine, and you learn this as a parent too. really go to the child or the person that you have a disagreement with and try to find an area where we already agree or even compliment the other person so that you're be- beginning to build a bridge and make it look like your point of disagreement is you're arriving at it, that it, there's a problem that we have together.
1: That is correct, from the top. Oh, okay. Now let's talk about what's actually going on in the brain right. that leads to that. Okay. So to get to that point, so that you can take control of it. So have you ever been in a heated argument? All right, so what they did <clears throat> is they took 21 pairs of volunteers and they asked them to make financial decisions Decisions. In particular, they each had to assess the value of real estate. Then they had to bet money on their assessment. <laughs> All right. So each volunteer. Laid, terrible. I know. Each volunteer <laughs> laid in a brain imaging scanner while performing the tasks, so that the scientists could record. And the volunteers <laughs> had to agree on the price of real estate. If they agreed, each of them became more confident and they bet more money on it, which makes sense because that's the tribalism. If you affirm what I'm believing, well, yeah, we're both right. Are you kidding me? You need to buy some GameStop. I was just thinking the same thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If we're sitting there
1: doing that, yeah, then we get real
0: excited. (laughs) I love this Reddit group.
1: <laughs> that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So stop and think what Reddit is. When you do a subgroup, you've already <laughs> positioned yourself in a tribe. And when you say something and you get upvoted, you're just like yeah. affirming exactly what's going on. Yeah. So that's totally cool. So I agree with you. Yeah. Then I'm more sure that I must be right. Now... What's going on is the activity is in the brain region called the posterior medial frontal cortex, which is also known to be involved in cognitive dissonance. Sure. And it's the part that will track the confidence level in the person that you're with. Okay. So there's a section of the brain that lit up when they agreed. And it was associated with the fact that they were agreeing and they had more confidence. Cerebral cortex? No, 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 no. It's not. It's the posterior medial frontal cortex. Oh, frontal cortex. Okay. Okay. So, wherever, post, posterior medial, medial frontal. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Neuro anatomy is ridiculous. Yeah, it's hard. It's like, where is it? It's in the back, middle, upper part. Yeah. On the lower, I mean.
0: Southwest corner? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: what is that? All right. So, anyways. So. They found that the more confident one volunteer was, the more confident the partner became and vice versa. And once again, it gives the feeling of why we join tribes and why we seek out people with similar opinions. Okay. However, the interesting part is this. When people disagreed, their brains became less sensitive to the strength of others' opinions. Remember that the posterior medial frontal cortex, when they agreed, it tracked the confidence. So I'm sensitive... To exactly what you're saying. So what they're saying here, when people disagreed, they became less sensitive to the strength of others' opinions. And after agreement, the posterior medial frontal cortex could no longer track the partner's confidence. On the scan, when they disagreed, it went and went away. Consequently, um, the opinion of the disagreeing partner had little impact on people's conviction that they were correct, regardless of whether the disagreeing partner was very sure in their assessment or not at all. They doubled down. They went, oh no, they disagreed. So this one shut off and perceived no lack of confidence in the other person. Does that make sense? Like It's, it's, oh, it's yeah. not even a conscious thing going on. Very much sense. Blood went away from that part of the brain and so pretty interesting um when they tested the volunteers memory so a lot of times you'd say oh well they just didn't listen to me they just didn't they didn't remember it you know clearly they didn't remember because i feel that way a lot when sure. i get in arguments yeah. <laughs> you walk away and you're like "Well." They didn't listen. They won't remember anything. That's not the case. They actually tested the volunteers' memory of their partner's assessment and bets. Rather, it seemed that contradictory opinions were more likely to be considered categorically wrong, and therefore the strength of those opinions was unimportant. Yeah, that's right. So you can understand how we end up in this polarizing society. If that's going on, um, it's super complex, multi-layered reasons for all this stuff. Interesting, um, but. How can we increase our chances? You said it best right there. So the end of this article was, well, if this is going on, do something first. Find some place to agree on first, because when you get to an agreement level, if you and I are agreeing, then I assess your confidence, and I automatically a part of my brain gets turned on. If we're um, finding the common ground, then I'm that part of my brain is ready to see if we can do this so it's a subconscious thing we don't know what's going on it's going on on a physiologic level mm-hmm. that that part of the brain kind of gets lit up and so in the midst of a heated disagreement just take a step back find a common ground and be like hey i know that you're super passionate about waterloo and you're part of that <laughs> subreddit, credit waterloo kill all other <laughs> you know bubbly but you know what you know what's really good doesn't matter the brand i just like the effervescence right
0: yeah it's all about the effervescence. As long as it's Waterloo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the one that found the common ground. So yeah. I was prepared to accept your opinion, but yeah. you didn't. You didn't join me on that. Yeah, it's the
0: way you started <laughs> 20 minutes ago.
1: <laughs> so the whole reason why I asked you the math question. So I'm. It started out with, "Oh my gosh, we're going to have a lot of people with neuroinflammation. Oh my gosh, they will be arguing. How do you prepare yourself for these arguments? How do you tell? Like many things." I do better when I know, oh, I'm behaving like this. My body's doing this. I'm tachycardic. My blood pressure is rising because I'm letting my emotions Mm -hmm. have a physiologic effect. Okay. So same thing. So you get an argument, go, oh, why am I being so dissonant here? It could be because blood is going to the wrong part of your brain instead of where it should go. So that's step one. And then the reason why I asked you the math question, because this is the article that came out uh, on January 14th disagreeing takes up a lot of brain real estate this one is fun to me because much like the adage it's easier to smile than frown (laughs) disagreeing is exhausting mentally
0: i mean think about it you you have a great encounter with a friend it feels good and you don't want it to end if you're locked into a disagreement think of people sweat sometimes when they're when they're just having a verbal disagreement and I've got, yeah, that's not even surprising to me.
1: It's, it's not surprising, but what is always surprising to me is when scientists can prove it uh, and they have tests to do it.
0: Oh, for sure. And I'm so, sure your brain's lit up on that one. So
1: this one's really cool. So they, It's defense though, right? It, well, we're going to get into it right here. Check this out. It's more than just defense. It's something really unique and it's fascinating. This comes out of Yale. So Yale researchers devised a way to peer into the brains of two people simultaneously while they are engaged in discussion so when two people agree their brains exhibit a calm synchronicity of activity focused on the sensory area of the brain i'll say this again a calm synchronicity in the sensory area of the brain okay um this was uh, the sensory area they didn't get into the exact place but it could be the amygdala it could be you know various areas um, however, so many other regions of the brain are involved in higher cognitive. Oops. Yeah. Um, but when they disagree, so when you're agreeing, you synchronize in the area of the brain that is the sensory area. Okay. In other words, I can feel and see your social cues. Okay, So when we disagree, however, many other regions of the brain involved in higher cognitive function become mobilized as each individual combats the other's argument. Mm -hmm. So I'll say that again. So if we're arguing, instead of me just sinking into almost a Zen state of, we're in the sensory area right now, my brain knows that we're arguing, and so my brain shifts blood to the frontal cortex where there should be higher cognitive functioning, and it's trying to prepare and figure out how we're gonna do whatever and come back at it, and so it just, it just lit up in these people. So our entire brain is a social processing network. However, when you disagree, you lose these social processing cues because you get away from the sensory aspect. I believe that. So it becomes all trying to wrap your brain around the logical thing of, why in the world would you like Waterloo when I'm sitting <laughs> here as a, you know? So it becomes this... This thing, and you don't have any, any control over it. So to test their theory, they looked at 38 adults. And after they matched them up, uh, based on their responses that the researchers used, they put them in this really cool imaging technology called a functional near-infrared spectroscopy. And what they were able to do is record their brain activity while they were engaged in face-to-face discussions. Okay. So remember the last one, they were kind of in this functional MRI, right. and they were kind of arguing over a thing. This one specifically allowed them to do real time where two people could like get in their face and be like, argue, you know, like a argument or whatever it is. And what they found is pretty cool. Are you following this so far? Yeah, so far I am. So if we agree, we are in sync. Sure. If we don't, then I'm trying to use my brain to figure out how to get you to do what I want you to do. Um, So when they were in agreement, the brain activity was harmonious and tended to be concentrated on sensory areas of the brain, such as the visual system. Thought this was super cool. Okay. Think about when you used to date Uh and you could tell where all of a sudden it's like the date's just going well.
0: Why is she walking away? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I remember that.
1: So your date, your dating life was that bad that if she actually showed up, you're like, Oh, when, or she's leaving or she's leaving too. (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) Well, you were, um, you were not in sync with the sensory areas. Yeah. I learned that, but I thought this was fascinating, but the visual system as a sensory area gets in sync and the visual system, presumably in response to the social cues from the partner.
0: Okay. Makes sense though. Because you're almost trying to compliment what it is that the person there is doing, right? That's yeah, exactly. So like, I just think it's interesting when you're just like, man, I really, it's it's that classic thing. Oh yeah, I,
1: I know that person. Yeah, we had a great, really cool. We really connected. Or yeah, he's so easy to get along with. Or
0: you know, it's seen as kind of a bad thing whenever whenever it's highlighted because a wrong decision ultimately is made. But there, I think it's just somewhat natural for people to long-term when they are jiving with someone else to develop certain confirmation biases. And it's not necessarily always wrong. The conclusions it's just highlighted when a confirmation bias turns out to be the wrong decision. Does that make sense? Cause maybe when people are, are agreeing and they're working together, it's actually fostering teamwork and people need other people. Wolves are in packs, etc. It's like part of that, has to happen so that people feel comfortable working together. But if they're disagreeing, it's like you said, I'm, your brain's working this puzzle. How am I going to effectively remove myself from this guy's opinion or this thought? Because it's not working out for me. So you really don't care that the visual cue is telling you that the other person's uncomfortable. So you don't, you're not tuning in to the fact that they're wanting to pull away. In fact, you're kind of glad.
1: Yeah, That is totally true. The first article showed the activity, the blood flow. Sure. This article, or I'm sorry, basically the blood flow. This article shows the actual activity, and however they do it, so it makes sense that once we start disagreeing, I start shifting blood to the the cognitive region of my brain, and it just starts bouncing around trying to figure out how to do that.
0: If two people are agreeing, you're almost allowing yourself to trust the other person to help you in figuring it out. So you're a little bit more relaxed and it's not requiring as much as you begin to disagree. I I just wonder if, if this plays into a little bit, uh, if biology is like, well, look, we're in disagreement, we're not working together. I've got to assume more responsibility of this thought, this process, this conversation.
1: And then, you know, these, these guys looked at that and they're like, well, meanwhile, if they're disagreeing activity, increasing the brain's frontal lobes, home of higher order executive functions and filtering. And, but that's a necessary, um, Evolutionary response. Yeah, because if I'm actually in a disagreement like my like this could escalate Yeah, I need to start thinking and planning ahead The problem is when you start having disagreements over stupid stuff Or things like that or you have the the same disagreement. Let's say with a spouse like, you know, I don't know It's really random, but like clean up your bedroom You're so messy when you come home kind of thing just random Um, and fortunately since I disagree I'm able to cognitively avoid that. Or yeah. you know what? Never mind. I realize I'm just going to go home and be in sync from now on and just be one with my mess. Sure. And just allow it to happen.
0: Yeah, or I don't consider it a mess. Yeah. <laughs> That's
1: it. Just yeah. say I, I actually don't consider it that. Yeah. So, what knowing that we've got this synchronicity when this happens, when two people agree their brains exhibit calm synchronicity focused in the sensory areas of the brain? In discord, the brains engage in emotional and cognitive resources. Now, here's the cool part. If we're both disagreeing, Mm -hmm. and this is both going on, when we're in synchronicity, we're playing a symphony together. Mm -hmm. When we're disagreeing and your cognitive function's doing this and mine's doing this, we're both playing symphonies in our heads, but they're different, and we're trying to play them at the same time. Yeah,
0: it's like a jazz band.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you're you're equating jazz to cognitive dysfunction.
0: I mean, (laughs) drummer's playing one song, bass player's playing another. I love jazz music, but it's wild. So
1: uh, the bottom line is when you're actually in agreement, you have less cognitive engagement. You have more brain power to do other things. And I thought about this because when you're really like, well, like when we scope, like when I'm scoping, you get into this flow state and things are good. Just, it's just things, just your brain just goes. And
0: so uh, over the years we've worked together now, several, I mean, really, I think the first time that we worked together was in 2012. And in that time we've seen, certain technicians in the room, right, come through and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and work with you right now. And uh, we, you've had several great technicians, but over the years, I've seen us where maybe you didn't have the one that complimented, not that they were bad, but one that didn't complement the way that you scope, or the pace that we have in the room, something like that. And right now, we're really fortunate because pretty much every technician that we have right now is really, really, really good. That being said, uh, isn't it interesting? That when we're all on the same page, and we we could have a we could have a day with several patients, but we catch every pollen. Patients feel great; they wake up awesome. Turnover time is is awesome, and we're all we're never behind.
1: Well, all those things still happen regardless, but we're just smiling more on those days. Yeah, we're
0: usually <laughs> saying thanks for a great day. Other than I'm out of here.
1: <laughs> you know what's funny about that? Now that really brings up a good point where I have. I have a lot of surgical friends that do really kind of like neurosurgeons and things yeah and wow what i would consider now where i'm like man they're so ocd they gotta have that same anesthesiologist they gotta have those texts they gotta have that certain music going they gotta have that that's not ocd that's them getting in sync
0: yeah but it's but but it's kind of like a home right because everyone's agreeing with this environment this scenario and i I do that same thing with eckhart when i'm doing his eyes you know i mean it's uh we've got a great pace but Some of that, honestly, it's kind of an overused term. It's kind of curated, right? We, we have a playlist that we listen to that the patients will relax to, but it's good for us.
1: Yeah. That's going to be a whole separate thing about the, what happens when, you know, you play certain music and things like now, now knowing that you can like examine the brain while they're doing, you don't have to be hooked up to things. I don't know how this test was done. So I just thought it was kind of interesting thing. I went down a rabbit hole where I'm very nervous about the possibility of varying degrees of long hauler symptoms. I don't I don't like the term long hauler because we've seen this with other viruses. I see it all the time. Yeah, sure. I mean, we've seen it with EBV, we've seen it with- uh, This is
0: just really new and we don't have enough data, especially because you said from the very beginning, they've got people who've been exhibiting these symptoms for three to six months. And if you look at the time scale for how long this has been out, that could technically be for as long as they've had the problem.
1: And then if you're one of these people, you're like, hey, you know what? I had COVID and nothing's happened, so I'm sure I'm clear. That's cool. Be on the safe side. Do the thing that we always talk about. Eat functional foods. Take in polyphenols. Yeah,
0: avoid fast food.
1: Yeah. Avoid fast food. And, you know, if you do find yourself in an argument and you're like, hey, you know what? This person probably has a lot of brain inflammation. Find some common ground. Get a box of Atron Teal. Set it there and be like, we both need to calm down. Our I need to improve my microbiome and you need to block that neuroinflammation that's making you so mean towards me.
0: Yeah, they'll totally be receptive if that's the first thing you say to him, I'm sure. <laughs> you look angry.
1: You look angry. Have you had your, auto- that should be a commercial we do. Yeah. <laughs> Two spouses fighting. Somebody yeah. shows up.
0: I mean, if anyone <laughs> loves being told that, it's your significant other the first thing out of your mouth. How was your day? You look angry. Yeah. <laughs> everyone responds more well than that
1: you look like you um your frontal posterior cerebral anterior cortex is not firing at all <laughs>
0: yeah just start off with a compliment <laughs> i mean just anything nice shoestrings today hun well thank you find that common ground yeah just start start with the shoestrings and then see if it can grow from there all before right so we can disagree so
1: so the moral of this odd podcast is that number one find yourself in an argument first of all give somebody the benefit of the doubt that hey they could be having some inflammation going on in their brain and if you've heard this podcast and understand it then you can stop and go okay now i understand that blood is being shunted someplace else so it's going to be very difficult to continue this path let's take a second find some common ground and start there and see if you can work your way back
0: i mean it makes sense and it doesn't have to just to just be COVID. if you have someone that's In your life, you know, they struggle with anxiety issues, and you always wonder kind of why they're on edge. It may not really be their fault.
1: Yeah. I mean, it all comes down to the inflammatory process that's going on. And if you've got neuroinflammation because of gut, because of other things, it's... From a science standpoint, it's always real. You can... I think it's easier to see the other person's perspective when you can, when it's easier for me to always understand somebody's perspective. If I can break it down to a cellular level, you're short of breath. That means that your CO2 is, you know, like I can go, okay, that's cool. I'm not going to say, why are you short of breath? We right. only ran one lap. Yeah. It's, this is what's going on. That'd
0: be so weird to say to somebody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think it's a really good point, and I'm going to pull the curtain back here a little bit, and it's not exactly just an anxiety, uh, uh, inflammation of the brain uh, situation. However, it is a brain situation, and it was somebody who was close to me that started acting a little strangely, and for a while, no one really knew, but my dad, who was always happy-go-lucky, for a brief period in his life, there was 24 months or so where he was irritable. And nobody really knew why. However, me included, everybody unfortunately had, <clears throat> had an exchange with my dad. Uh, this is several years ago, uh, where we would probably have like an argument. Where I'm, I never even argued with the guy growing up, really. And uh, it turns out he, he had a brain tumor. Oh, and, that's right. And yeah. once we got it treated, and he was back to he was back to you know normal dad. But oddly enough, I'm just thinking. Of situations where you just have to have enough empathy that if you feel like someone's on edge i love the way you said it give them the benefit of the doubt find common ground if you've always been running into a brick wall someone just find the common ground because who knows you may actually help them you'll certainly get further in your conversation and i wish that that i'd known that even back then i mean of course it we were we were over it quickly when we all figured out what was. What was going on, but uh, yeah, but sure. it, but it, it was something that he couldn't control at all. And uh, but yeah, it's it's worth giving someone benefit of the doubt. The
1: brain is so fascinating to me because when you say that he couldn't control it all, whether it's a tumor or whether when people, I was listening. Ah man, um, that fighter that's on Joe Rogan's most recent episode. Oh, uh, what's his name? He's works with the Ju- pygmies. Uh, 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 Justin Wren,
0: Justin Wren. Yeah. That's is it, it Justin Ren? Yeah. He does the in in Uganda. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Um, he does such an incredible job of explaining addiction and depression. He's been through it. In a way that you're just like, whoa. Yeah. Like, I did not know it got like that. And even Joe was like that. I, I'm just the kind of guy that can walk away from things. And, and guess like, what?
0: Yeah. Some people could have walked away from everything that he struggles to walk away from. It's just not how it worked
1: for him. And it's how his brain is wired. Yeah. And, and And it helped him to understand. He actually said that flat out. He's like, once it was explained to me that I have less dopamine going on, and once... I take this, it hits me different than it hits other people. And finally learning that allowed me to realize this is not a mind um, over willpower kind of thing. This is strictly when I do this, this is what's gonna happen. If you're a diabetic and I'm like, Eric, I got the greatest donut, you're gonna love it, it's amazing. And you look at that and go, well, if I eat that, my blood sugar will spike and I will end up possibly in in hyperglycemic crisis. that makes sense, right? Yeah. But we never talk like that about the brain. We never say, oh, if you um, drink the day before, maybe the following day, you may end up with your GABA receptors depleted, and therefore you'll have increased anxiety, and that can lead to panic attacks. Yeah. Things like that. It's-
0: my, my cousin's a psychiatrist, and years and uh, decades ago, I remember he, him telling me that one of the most difficult things to deal with in psychiatry is that it's not like orthopedics. You can see a broken bone and want to fix it. You you just can't see the brain. You just see the resulting things of people's behavior. And that's kind of hard because it's all, when you're little, you're told to behave. Oh, of course, behave, do the right thing, whatever. If someone misbehaves so many times, it's attributed to, well, they've chosen to act poorly, but maybe, maybe some things are just in a process of inflammation where they're making yeah, they're making bad decisions, but maybe they're arriving at the decision not really of how they wanted to get there.
1: And then, you know, we talk about what we've, I mean, CTE is a relatively new thing, but CTE is now showing up and not just in football. It was discovered there, but now we're seeing in MMA fighters, which we thought MMA was safer than boxing because, you know, you didn't get hit 20 times, but now we're seeing some of these fighters do some different things. We talk about, um, some of a very you know some very sad and horrific suicides and some things like that have gone on with people that have had long careers in your professional wrestling is one and oh, things yeah. like that yeah, where yeah. you're just like whoa and people want to blame soccer it.
0: players oh really yeah head
1: oh yeah yeah
0: knocking the head knocking the ball around it's, cra- it's
1: crazy and so it all comes down to inflammation and so it's it's sort of it's sort of my life's mission you know the brain gut access Decrease the inflammatory process in the gut and the brain. And the same thing, you know, we can do it all the time. You know, increase your NRF2 pathway. uh, Decrease your your, your TNF alpha, your interleukin 6, your interleukin 1s. And those are are fancy words for just saying, let's stop the inflammatory process.
0: Yeah. That's it. It's crazy, but it's all, not it's all, but so much of disease and chronic disease is just tied back to inescapable long-term inflammation.
1: And that's... So circling all the way back to the very first thing that I said, the whole Wim Hof thing, as I started reading about it, actually one of my patients, um, who was suffering a lot from a multitude of symptoms, kind of like a systemic inflammatory process and it's really kind of struggling to come out of it and we're trying a lot of different things. um, He's like, he's like, Doc, he's like, I've been doing this thing called Wim Hof Method now for a couple months. (laughs) and And I was like, all right, I'll try anything. And then as I start looking at it, it actually – because you control the parasympathetic system, which is the vagus nerve, which is the great highway from the gut to the brain, you actually do change um, the whole – well, I don't don't know the exact aspect, but if you're affecting the parasympathetic nervous system, you're going to decrease neuronal activity in areas that you don't want it to be hyperactive. So breathing, that's how come – calming breathing increases parasympathetic exhaling and that's how come there's so much meditative yoga and there's so many things like that there's a physiologic thing that goes on if you do it right which also brings up an interesting point because i just thought of this just now Mm -hmm. every time i've ever done yoga like a Mm -hmm. yoga class and i've done quite a bit it's mainly just to kind of get it out of the way it's like i'm gonna go do my stretchy thing and when they say home and they do this and i had cognitive dissonance i was like i was going to argue the fact we don't really need to make these weird sounds can we just stretch and and be on our way and now i just realize and here i am i did that i went in there with a disagreeing attitude of why we have to do these other things i just wanted to get my stretch on and i'm i'm at fault for that i just realized i just noticed that there it is
0: you know even when someone's intubated in a a surgery (laughs) Uh, and you're right uh, when you're applying the yoga and the humming or whatever, because basically you're creating resistance for the air to leave the lungs, etc. the hyperinflation of the lungs. Well, guess what we do if someone's intubated and we need a valve salva maneuver, we basically just hyperinflate the lungs, but we're just doing it mechanically. And it's because it's been proven time and time again, that that is going to stimulate the vagus nerve mm-hmm. and get the acetylcholine from the vagus. Oh to do man.
1: It. See, this is what I like that book so much. They went into that where yeah. they said that if you slow exhale while humming through your nose, yeah. you actually increase nitric oxide in the blood as well.
0: Yeah. Because you need the vasodilation mm-hmm. to bring the blood that's been metabolized or the blood that's being bring the metabolite CO2 back to the lungs. be breathed off. I mean, it just goes in that cycle over and over again. And it's kind of cool because this is, this is really why I want to do this show, I think, because uh, uh, later, after you do some more Wim Hof, because I'm really curious on how they explain it to the layperson. Maybe we could lay down a little bit of physiology. That way, that if someone's sitting on the, sitting on the edge of, of Wim Hof or Nestor's ideas, we can actually show physiologically why what they're saying actually makes a lot of sense.
1: And there's a lot of science on this. Yeah. I think that a lot of academic institutions have used him as a guinea pig because he allows it.
0: Oh, because he's he's not only a believer he is the example he
1: yes and then they they can show all these different physiological sure. changes but it's really cool so like i'm thinking you know practice practice what we preach here and you know i don't know like next time i find myself in an argument with somebody have something locked and loaded that you can agree on just so that you can almost like press the reset button possibly yeah be like oh wait hold on i i know that you're doing this but if you ever noticed and then just something that's kind of that everybody will agree on, be like, well, of course everybody likes Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, you know. That's high fructose corn syrup. Yeah.
0: No? <laughs> Not everybody does. <laughs> uh,
1: I was just thinking of things that people would normally
0: like. But. Yeah, normally. Yeah. I, yeah, that honestly in today's climate, I don't know that there's any one thing other than you could say oxygen's good to breathe and sun is good most of the time. <laughs>
1: <'Cause> <laughs> I know that the uh, Lloyd is gonna call you up and be like, Eric. What happened? Every time that I want to tell Ken to go clean his room or something, he says that, that, don't you think that my hair looks pretty? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's become a weird tick. I think we need to scan his brain. Why is he complimenting me <laughs> so much? We, that's common ground.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, man, awesome Awesome uh, surprise there! I, I love I love the topic.
1: Well, we're gonna we're we're gonna get sciencey again. We're gonna have some guests on that can that can kick some knowledge on their books and on their on their research that they're doing. Yeah,
0: but... keep an eye out for uh, Olivia and Aiden to be joining the podcast here really really soon. Sweet, uh, I'm I'm excited about that. And we're still not finished with the installments on uh, on the immune system. Literally, uh, keeping up with the email over the last episodes. As well as preparing for a couple of other things, just the new year, et cetera. We've had a really bizarre shakeup in our schedule at uh, the Center, whether we're full or not full at random times. Lots of changes. Yeah. Life still goes on here, too. Hey, we got a new president. Of what? The United States. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that.
1: And so there was immediately executive orders, which were like, oh, my gosh, how's this going to affect us? And, yeah,
0: But you know what? We still have to work. We still have to put gas in the car, still have to take care of the kids. Uh, Ultimately, all all politics is still local. I still gotta be nice to everybody around the house. You know, you said
1: (laughs) you put in order gas in the car, then kids, and I know deep down you're gonna say, still have to work, gotta buy my Waterloo. Oh yeah, that's
0: that's a given, (laughs) that's like taxes.
1: (laughs) Episode 48, so next time, um, number one, uh, hopefully you will never get COVID. If you do get COVID and it's mild, keep an eye out that there appears to be a low-level inflammatory response, which could lead to other things, so control the inflammation by controlling your diet, eating a very colorful plate. Um, Take your zinc. Yeah, take zinc, vitamin D, and the polyphenols and altrontil have been shown to help with the innate immune system, see episode 47 get your sleep absolutely pillars so any uh, parting words here
0: eric no thank you all for for i mean seriously the the last two episodes the amount of email sharing uh i thank you yeah I and sincerely appreciate it
1: yeah so please um like subscribe the usual stuff um share it We want to try and get the word out. And if there's um, any questions or anything, email them. We try to get to it. We have Angie Cook, our secret weapon, who will find any article anywhere in the world at any hour.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Angie, get some sleep.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye. That's
0: episode 48. See you later.